We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode 33 of the pod. Uh, a little a little preface here to the podcast. This is going to sound a little different. We might have a little ambient noise. Uh, this is the airport edition of the Moose and Runes podcast. I'm currently sitting in uh, Terminal B of the Denver International, uh, waiting to jump a flight, doing some traveling this week. And uh, I'm now joined by Matt Rooney. Matt, thank you for putting up with, uh, with my hectic week. Well, you know, you've put up with me for 32 weeks, so you might as well put up <laughs> with one of, your, uh, one of your hectic weeks. Here, Joe, Joe, what airline are we on? What, 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 uh, what, what airline do you fly? I'm a United man, you know. Uh, why? Despite, despite the uh, despite, explain your answer. <laughs> despite the the negative PR that they've had over the last year, I'm a United man. Partially because I have a mileage plus account, and uh, you know, just trying to build those miles, a little, little little sweat equity here on the airlines. There you go. I'm a, I'm a Southwest guy. Southwest guy. Southwest See, guy. I love Midway. I love well, Midway. That was one thing. Moving to Lincoln, Southwest, very minimal flights coming out of Omaha and none out of Lincoln. So, oh, well, you know, there you go. Yeah, y- you play the hand you're dealt sometimes, man. United's not a bad way to go, but I, I don't think it's the ideal choice. And and may <laughs> I take may I take a moment here to uh, to make a recommendation? If anyone's ever flying through Denver International, my go to. I've been through here probably about a dozen times now. Sit down at Elway's, have a burger. I had a burger here. I connected yesterday on the way out. And I had breakfast, a biscuit that would make your head spin. You're not going to get a biscuit like this. In, an airport biscuit, in, huh? An, air, an airport biscuit, I tell you. It was because, you know, I wasn't feeling like toast. I had a couple poached eggs, a little bacon. And then an airport biscuit was surprisingly fluffy, flaky. It was, uh, it was something to write home about. So you, so you, you, went with a, you went with a two egg breakfast and you got them poached? To, oh yeah, oh yeah. That's my go-to. I'm a poached guy. Poached egg guy. I, I, do I, really, I don't really see that ordered very often other than you I, know, on a Benedict. I love I love a poached egg, and if you're gonna go poached, then why go with the toast? You know, that you you go a different direction. Maybe maybe a Texas toast, but I, I went I went biscuit. I went biscuit. Um, you know, we are a sports podcast, Matt, and we will get there. But we'll get there eventually. But there's some more important <laughs> things to talk about today. The most important thing: free shoe shines at the Denver International Airport. Got the boots shined up. Um, they look fantastic. These people, these poor people, work strictly off tips. So you know, I, I did my part. I did a little, uh, little spread a little holiday cheer. If you I, I got to bring it up, Joe. I, it, last night when when you mentioned this to me through text, and I I told you that I'm not a shoe shine guy. I tend to polish uh-huh. my own shoes. I, I could tell just through text that that was one of the top five most offended. Yeah. Times I've most offended you, I think, yeah. in our entire relationship, friendship, whatever you want to call it. Matt, right? you know, and that that you seem very offended for my own shoes. Would you just leave it to the professionals? Because, you know, there's a lot more going on than just a shoe shine. You're getting the moisturizing of the leather. You're getting leather conditioning. It's a full service. It makes you feel you feel something after that. And if you're going to get a free one here at Denver, that's worth the price of admission. So uh, I really recommend it. They did a great job on them. And, Matt, do your shoes a favor and, and let someone who knows what they're doing get their hands on some of your leather. I don't know, Joe. I, I, I polished uh, football cleats for 10 straight weeks for every hey. Saturday for about four years. So I, to, I, I think I knew what I was doing. Shout out to Storm and Norman who still thought that 
football shoes were made of leather, like hey. in 1955. Yeah, but, you know, you just... <laughs> Just use the rag and shine them up a little bit that way. They look good enough, right? Just, just make the guy feel good. But with that said, um, I do apologize for any ambient noise that we're picking up here at Denver International. Hopefully we can bring you still a uh, a productive podcast, plenty to talk about. We're going to dive into it. Uh, let's talk about, Matt, a Bears team that just was How fun was that, right? They were unrecognizable was in the best way. It was fun, but you know, I, I found myself, we're at the point in the season where you're weighing the question of, is it worth it? Is the fun worth it? Do we want to play for draft position? And I know I've said on the pod before that, you know, draft position, once you get outside of the top three, top four picks in the NFL, it really starts to, everything starts to, the cream isn't, the cream rises to the top in those first three or four picks. And once you get past that, as long as you're in that four to 10, four to 12 pack, you're going to get a great player, not just a good player, but a player that you can rely on and hopefully can bank on panning out. So I think as long as they stay in that area, we can enjoy a couple wins here or there. And this one was enjoyable. Yeah. And I, like I said, I don't think they're getting outside of the, even if they, I don't think they're going to win out, but I don't, they go seven and nine. They're still going to be picking somewhere right around that area ish. Yeah. I think the two players that they're probably targeting here in this first round, Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk, aren't going to be, you know, top three, four, you know, type picks. Mm-hmm. So in order to get one of those guys, probably one of the two guys that they need more, you know, position player wise, anywhere on the field, any more than anything else. So that's why I'm actually okay with them winning a couple games here and kind of not screwing this thing up. You know, maybe trading back, getting the fourth pick, trading back, and then missing out on one of those two receivers, and then maybe they grab more picks, but then not quite get the impact player they want to. I'm cool with them getting a pick right kind of in that range where they can grab one of those two guys. Yeah, definitely. And Matt, Matt, we sat here a week ago and. We talked about some of the statistical just ineptitude that the Bears have had this season, some of the the records that they're they're setting and that they're getting towards in terms of their futility. But this was the first game that they broke 30 points in some record number of weeks. So Yeah, I actually was, built a graphic was, on this, I think, for CSN uh, last Sunday after the Niners game. Uh-huh. I want to say it was since 2015, like early in the 2015 season was the last time they scored more than 28 points. Which, how sad is that, one, but two, this this was something that they showed they were capable of. This offense showed glimpses of uh, the proper ways to use Tariq Cohen and what Mitch Trubisky is capable of. And uh, Adam Shaheen. Adam Shaheen shows up, even though I, I wanted to see more from him after that touchdown. I know he hurt his shoulder, but he's the most swagless individual. we got to work <laughs> with him on his look, on his on-field persona. Because you know, as, as long as he's yeah. making those catches and catching those touchdowns, Joe, he can hand the ball to the ref and walk to the sidelines for all I I'm care right if he's grabbing touchdowns. I'm right there with you. He is a Mack truck out there, and if you can get him to feel comfortable – not only in the system, but in the NFL, playing NFL football, that's that's going to really benefit the Bears because he's a monster who can run block as well. But uh, what caught my eye most, and I think what caught everyone's eye most, was Mitch Trubisky and his effectiveness on the run, on the move, and just making plays within the offense. I, did, did it look like, to you, did it look like they were letting him off the leash a little bit? Or? Did, you know what I like most about this is he, he came from that – shotgun offense in North Carolina where he got here and had trouble taking Just snaps from under center. Get him back I, there and let him throw the that's ball. That's what I like. Look, that they they yeah. finally let him open it up, let him get back into the shotgun where he was a little bit more comfortable. It wasn't by any means, you know, strictly a shotgun offense, but they let him get back there. They, they split it up, you know, probably 60, 40, whatever, under center in the shotgun. They opened up on first down going five wide sometimes. They weren't predictable. They kept, you know, defense guessing. And I, I know the Bengals were banged up coming off a very emotional loss to Pittsburgh. 
probably not all in it, but still. Short week after the, the Monday night, yeah. The Bears did what a pretty good football team should do to a team that isn't, you know, that's disinterested. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they did. They actually they had play calling that allowed their offense to finally try and reach their maximum potential instead of just trying to play it safe and throwing the ball 12 times against the 49ers. And putting putting Trubisky back there in the shotgun isn't a knock on the guy. That's what the NFL is now. As long as you have that, like you said, that kind of 60-40 breakdown of when you are in the shotgun, you could run from back there too, but get him in the shotgun where he's comfortable. You're not. It's not a crutch. That's what... That's what teams do when you're going to throw the ball. We don't have to get under center with two backs in the backfield and pretend like it's 1985. Let's be a little progressive here, and I think that showed through Mitch, Mitch Trubisky's production this week. I mean, hell, Tom Brady's a quarterback that runs an offense that's you know out of the shotgun probably more often than not, it seems. like it's, it's not what it used to be where you need to be this great under center quarterback to be a pro quarterback. As long as you can read defenses – and take what they're giving you. It doesn't really matter as much if, is, if you're better out of the shotgun or you are under center. Matt, I know we touched on it a little bit, but in the NBA, if you're going to tank, you, you can end up with a much more talented athlete. What do you think the message is in the Bears locker room in terms of the effort being put forward? It's football. I know they're trying to win games. I know everyone in that locker room wants to win games, but is do you think there is maybe a contrasting voice coming from up top? I don't really think so because football. I mean, like you, you've kind of touched on earlier, where they are, where they're at, it doesn't really matter as much if they're picking five or if they are, you know, ten or twelve, because I think the the drop off kind of gets a little bit steeper from top three to the you know the the five to twelve type players are a little bit more interchangeable. Mm-hmm. And football is such a I feel like it's such a confidence had based sport where I like think you know first worst to first can flip so quickly on a dime I, we feel like we see it almost every year yeah. there's, a, there's a last place team from the previous year that ends up winning a division or going to the playoffs that you still want to keep building that momentum towards next year and even though these guys know that the guys coaching them now aren't there they they do know that the guys in the locker room the players that they're with most likely will a lot of them still be here because a lot of them are under contract or pieces that'll be brought back for another one-year trial whatever it is so I, I do think that these guys still want to try and gain some chemistry, and I think you kind of saw that building, especially these younger core guys, these draft picks, the, you know, Trubisky, Shaheen, Cohen, who are not so much Cohen, but Trubisky and Shaheen are going to be calling out as, oh, are they busts? Were they taken too early? Those guys especially, I think, want to try and prove themselves. Yeah, definitely, as, you, as you're saying, a lot on the line in terms of getting everyone on the same page and building that chemistry offensively, defensively with these young guys, these young names, because – the only way that the Bears are going to succeed and they're going to move forward is if draft picks pan out. And I know we've touched on this before, but these are formative games, these last few games of the season, in seeing if these guys are going to pan out and what they're going to be as a cohesive unit. So definitely some very important football and a lot on the line for the Bears, even though playoffs are mathematically impossible, I believe, at this point. One team with a lot to play for is the Detroit Lions. The Bears get the Lions uh, – this week, the Bears are currently five-and-a-half-point dogs. Um, it's Matt Stafford. It's December, late December. Detroit finding themselves in a very similar position. I feel like we've seen this one before, and I feel like a lot of times the Bears go and, and upset the Lions at Ford Field. 
in a pivotal moment in the Lions season. And I wouldn't be surprised if, I, if we saw that again. No, it wouldn't shock me. I think it's last year, you know, Matt Barkley, I think, had the Bears going down on a final drive to come back and beat him. And then a couple, I think it was like three consecutive holding penalties on the Bears' offensive line. Oh, the I do field remember that, yeah. And I think it was two years ago where, you know, Cutler almost beat them in Detroit in a similar situation. So I think it'll yeah. be your, your prototypical Bears-Lions pretty close game. And hopefully this is one where we can kind of see the same types of things we saw last week and let Trubisky open it up a little bit and challenge his Detroit defense and hopefully come out with a win. Yeah, and as long as it's enjoyable. You know, last week was very enjoyable. Keep it competitive. Give, give competitive. me a chance in the fourth quarter, you know, the last couple of drives, and I'll be happy. Because I don't that first don't Lions game we watched where Mitch, you know, was played pretty well, went down with a minute, whatever was left, and only one timeout and you know, yeah. put the Bears into field goal range. Then they missed the field goal to, to tie it. That was almost an ideal situation. I got to see Trubisky shine in a very clutch situation, make some big plays but they still lost and kept their draft position. At this point in the season, where the Bears are at, as long as you're not moving me to change the channel, I'm somewhat happy. Protect the ball, move the ball, score some points. I'm not asking for 33 every week, as, as much fun as that was, but make it interesting, like you're saying. And, and I think uh, you know the Bears have plenty to, plenty to play for. And Another thing I think they do have to play for, too, is they're, they're also, these not so much the coaching staff, but these players are also auditioning for their next head coach, whoever that Absolutely. is. Because that is a guy who's probably in the league right now, who's probably a coordinator, and if this team goes out and has an uninspired effort for three, four games, they might not be the destination job that they could be if they go out and are competitive, maybe win, steal a couple of these last few games, and look like a team that shows some promise like they did against Cincy, because I think that might be able to draw a guy like a Josh McDaniels here, where as opposed to if they kind of lay down, give up the rest of the year, and just kind of pack it in, they they might not look like that destination job. Trubisky might not look as good as he can. The defense won't shine as much, and they get yeah. a B or C head coach instead of an A. It's all contagious, and with that said, Matt, I'm going to give you a little homework here. I know it's never been the uh, same. Uh, uh, but I graduated <laughs> school too long ago. I feel like this is this is in your purview, though. This is right down your lane. I want you to look at those worst of firsts over the last few <sighs> years and see how many of them, what their records were, in the last four or five games of the season. I think that'll say a lot about that worst to first movement. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. You don't you don't have to do it. Okay, good. Because I'm probably not going point, to. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you I know what you meant. You're off the hook. You see yeah. where I'm going. I, I get it. <laughs> All right. Well, plenty to play for, as we said, for the Bears still. Matt, um, Blackhawk season ramping up here, a couple wins, a couple losses this week. I'm gonna make it plain and simple here for you. Are the Blackhawks a playoff team this year, or are we kind of spinning the wheels? I I still think they are. Um it's, Some it's a very nights they crowded. Look like in other nights they look just confused on the ice. Together. They do. It's a, it's a crowded and, and a tough Western Conference, especially with Vegas getting out to the start they have. That's another team that's kind of in the mix that nobody really expected. The Central Division's also just it's might be the best in hockey. You have pretty much every team in that division now kind of competing, not quite out of a playoff spot yet. Mm -hmm. But the reason that I think the Blackhawks are still a playoff team is because you have guys like Jonathan Taves, Brandon Saad. And even Patrick Kane not quite having the year that they'd be hoping to have at this point. And the guys who are doing a lot of the heavy lifting right now are your guys like Artem Anisimov, Alex Dabrinkit, Gustav Forsling, younger guys who are kind of, granted Anisimov's not really younger, but you have younger guys filling bigger roles and actually thriving in them. And I think once you maybe get an, a key addition at the deadline, whether that's on the back end or, or to the top six, whatever, I think you'll start to see these the, the big names, the star players, start yeah. to hit their stride because Patrick Kane's going to end up the season as a point-per-game player. I can promise you that. Jonathan Tay's going to probably finish with 20, 25 goals like he always does, and I think you're just waiting for those times to hit. 
And I, I think once Taves kind of hits his stride, you'll see Brandon Saad pick up on his. And once those two guys start doing their thing, I think it will become a little bit more contagious. I'm still very encouraged. They've won the last two games. Corey Crawford's playing pretty yeah. well. Always, uh, and, always good to have Crow back between the pipes. You, you just have a better chance to win. I don't care. I know totally. It's, it's, I don't care who your backup is. Corey Crawford has never gotten his acclaim, and he's one of the premier goalies in the NHL and has been for the last half a decade. If 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 he keeps playing the way he is, and this team gets to the playoffs, he should easily be in the top three voting for, of the voting for the Vezina and probably win it. But the, the thing I think I've touched on a couple of these hockey minutes a couple times is. The, the difference between this team and last year's team is last year's team, they, they tend to benefit from a couple lucky bounces. They weren't winning the shot battle, the possession battles. They were kind of relying heavily on Crawford mm-hmm. and winning games that way. They're, they're not really doing that this year. Yes, they're relying on Corey Crawford, but they're they're not being outskated by last year's playoff teams. A couple weeks ago, they played Nashville in Nashville, and it was a back-and-forth playoff-type pace game, and they kept up and looked like they belonged on the same ice. And they're, they're winning that possession battle. They're not getting outshot. And that's why I think eventually some of these bounces will start going their way. I, I, I am, I'm much more encouraged with what I've seen this year than I have been in the past two years. Well, that's good to hear because I know you're someone who's close to it and always keeps your finger on the pulse, just kind of waiting for them to turn the corner and flip that switch to become a premier team again in a packed Western conference. I guess it's, that's just where my nerve is at. No, it is, it's absolutely a packed Western conference, but from an, un, after an underwhelming start, I think anybody would agree. You look at their record point total. It's not where they want to be. They're a point out of the wild card, the, mm-hmm. you know, the second wild card spot. They're still right there in the thick of things. And I think that they have a, they last two games, they've had Phoenix and Buffalo, Arizona and Buffalo. They got a couple more uh, bottom feeder type games coming up. I think this is kind of a time for them to make their move. Well, that's uh, Matt's Hockey Minute brought to you by... Uh, by Matt. Brought to you by this week. By, by me. By me. By, by Matt's... By Matt's. the Denver Airport. By, ooh, Denver International. New sponsor this week. We'll wait for the check. I'm United sure Airlines? Come. United Airlines? No, we, we, won't. We, don't want, we don't want that PR. No. We don't want that. All right, Matt. Well, let's switch gears here a little bit. Uh, plenty going on. MLB Hot Stove, the biggest name in baseball, essentially. You know how much I love the guy, and... You can say it now. I mean, you don't have to give me the credit if you don't want to, but who told you that Giancarlo Stanton was going to be hey, the pinstripes? I, who, you called who? it. I, I, Joe, I, when you texted me about it last night. I, I absolutely it's agree with you. I gave you some credit. I said it was impressive. That, that's a, it's such, sure, it's the I, easy I, pick. It's the easy pick. You can even, see the Yankees, yes, the Dodgers, yes. or, or the educated guess at this point. But you, you went out, you said it, and you were right. Congratulations. When I, when I don't have a nuanced understanding of the situation, especially when it comes to baseball free agency, just guess the Yankees, and like 64% of the time you're going to be right. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, there's so much to talk about on this topic, Matt. A lot going on. Jeter trading marquee player back to his team for a laughable haul. Did you see any collusion any no i don't think it was collusion Uh, i mean no because he had i mean the the first two deals he had done were san francisco and st louis and then once they kind of made those gotta love uh, that no trade clause i forgot what four teams he said i know the dodgers were one the yankees were one the maybe the the cubs were the other maybe boston but boston pretty much came out said they weren't in and on it LA would have had to cut significant salary the cubs kind of said it was taking on that salary wasn't it so it, it was basically a no-brainer at that point. But, Joe, I, I think one of the, the things that's getting overshadowed in this deal is how unlucky is Starlin Castro? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been at the he's, – he's gotten the short end of the stick on a couple deals these, these last two times. And uh, 
he, he no seems one, like no a guy who kind of does that. everything the right way. Like he's yeah, a good teammate, no good clubhouse guy. Everyone seems to like him. He's he produces for the most part. He's a solid player, and he just keeps getting moved right before his team's going to go win the World Series. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, he's going to cash out again, but uh, just never what you want to see for a guy who. You know, we've almost seen him grow up with the yeah, Cubs. Yeah, you, you saw him grow from a guy who was blowing bubbles and letting balls go through his legs to someone who was really contributing and only letting that happen a couple times a year. Um, but, again, he's, he's on the move, and like you said, the Yankees just looking like the team to beat. After what they did last year, now you have the NL MVP and the Rookie of the Year. Your 2, 3, 4, 5 is going to be just absolutely disgusting in the park where the second most home runs I think were hit in the league last year first or second they were up there again it's going to be a home run derby and I can't wait to watch it I actually I'm going to have a, a little bonus it's 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 going to come in the buy or sell segment but it's going to be a little bonus over under that I'm going to ask you about that I, I I'm, it's a, it's a question it. I'm excited to get you regarding this Yankees lineup but we'll save it for them you're, you're but, teasing that you're teasing I mean, it's, the that's what we call a tease in the business Joe. Yeah, that's a, that's I don't know if you knew that did you, uh, did you see last night SVP's one-on-one with Dan Levitard? Because Dan Levitard was nearly in tears. He was severely choked up over this. That they moved Stanton or the way it was like handled? Well, uh, the whole situation. He understood that Stanton was going to be moved, but what they got back for him and that they continue to let generational players leave South Florida. You bring him in down there, and I think he was using Cabrera as the other example there. And he has a valid point. And it always depends what angle you're looking at, at it from. If you're looking at it from a Yankees fan, obviously you're ecstatic right now. Yeah. If you're looking at it as a Cubs fan, you're semi-ecstatic because they pretty much have Harper penciled in on the roster for 2019. If you're looking at it from a completely unbiased standpoint like you and I, I'm excited for it just because of the highlight that it's going to create and, and, and bringing the Yankees back to where we grew up having the Yankees be. And I think that's good for baseball. But it is. It's good if, for baseball when the Yankees and Red Sox are the Yankees. If you're, if you're looking at it from a South Florida standpoint, this is gut-wrenching if you're a baseball fan. It's it's more <laughs> or less, though, it, it just goes to show you, it, it sucks for the fans of South Florida, but it the, the way uh, these players have kind of been treated down there for, for however long, I know, like we said, it's new ownership. but like, Same story. Stanford or Stanton wasn't really even – contacted much he hadn't really sit down and talk with Jeter was just kind of yeah. talked to through his agent like hey this is what we're happening what's happening he said hey you know this is the deal we have take it or you're going to be a Marlin for life like they're threatening their franchise player their star player their whatever into being a Marlin for life and Stanton just basically called their bluff and said no you're not but that you don't do that. That's not how you treat players. And I, I would expect, of all people, Derek Jeter to know that's not how you treat players. That's not how you treat franchise players, even if you're going to move them, because word like that travels. The way they treated yeah. Mark Burley and Jose Reyes after signing them to those big deals, that that travels. That sticks with people. That so leaves scars on franchise. And it's going to be harder to bring people like that. So now you're forcing yourself into drafting well, into developing well. And then once they become stars, if you're not going to treat them the right way, of course they're going to want to leave. So I'm hearing, I'm hearing that you're a little short on remorse for, uh, I, I, for, for the I, team outside. I feel for the fans. I don't yeah. feel for the organization no, because this is all stuff they've done to themselves. Yeah, quite totally, over, totally overshadowed by this. And this was supposed to be the big free agency grab, I guess. Yeah. Both of them, but uh, Otani heading to the Angels. I believe you called that one too. I think he was on your short list of of places where they would land. And yeah, I said they, I believe I told you San Francisco, San Diego, or the the LA teams. So I, yeah. I narrowed it to four, but <laughs> it it makes sense. But 
I, I found myself thinking today, Matt, when I was you know scribbling down a couple notes, is these players from Japanese leagues and from overseas, they're always so hyped and there's always so much pressure for them to deliver at such a ridiculous all-star level that they never seem to reach that era. I mean, aside, really, since Ichiro, Ichiro. When was the last time? From, yeah, Yu Darvish has been good. He's a solid top-end starter, but he hasn't been the world beater that he was... Uh, that he was advertised to be. Uh, who was Daisuke Mats- Matsuzaka was not Daisuke. anywhere close. Hideki Matsui had a good career, not an amazing career. Kosuke Fukudome, we, we know how that went. Following after his first at-bat, or what was it, his first game in Chicago, it kind of tailed off from there mm-hmm. on. So I really think that if you lost on the Otani sweepstakes... I don't know if you were that big of a loser. I think you. I mean, you're going to be upset, but it, I, I'm with you. It's 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 an unproven commodity at this point. You still don't really know what you're getting, and I think he's going to be a pretty good player. I'm not sure if it's going to forever end up being a pitcher and hitter. I think he's going to probably settle on one or the other at some point. But yeah, I, I'm with you. It's Japanese Babe Ruth. <laughs> you, you can be upset that you missed out, but at the same time, I don't think it's something that you you know you want to tear yeah. up and start over again because you, you missed up out on this guy. So I, it's an unproven commodity. I don't think you can get that mad yeah. about it. I always think it's important to, if you do miss out on a guy like that, look at those teams' farm systems. Like San Francisco, I think they were ranked like 26, so this would have been a big hit for them yeah. because there's nothing built ground up. I was looking at those farm system rankings, and oddly enough, the Yankees are 1, 2, or 3 on everybody's ratings. So oh, not yeah. only, the Yankees not have only, everything coming up. Not only do they have an amazing 1 through 9 and a good pitching staff, but they can move pieces to even strengthen that pitching staff and even strengthen that lineup or... You know, sit where you are, stand pat, and be good for the next decade again. Now, the Yankees, uh, this will be this is a little bit of a veer to the White Sox type, but more of a local type question, but it involves the Yankees. They're, they're trying to unload some contracts now that they took on Staten to get under that luxury tax. Mm-hmm. And one of the names floating around was Jacoby Ellsbury. Yeah. Now, if now with, with this addition to Stanton, that outfield's a little bit crowded. There's not much room in there. If you're Rick Hahn, would you take on Jacoby Ellsbury's contract, which I think runs through 2020, is when you can buy him out? If I don't it, know that, if it yeah. meant ta- if it meant getting Clint Frazier. I mean, I don't know the numbers exactly, and if it would make sense by the numbers. But just looking at those guys, I think Jacoby Ellsbury still has a lot of good baseball left. And it, it, if that meant getting Frazier as well, I, you gotta. You, the Sox are still in the. I, I think this is a pivotal season for them to get into the buyer's position. You know, they've they've sold the farm. They've they've pretty much set themselves up to go get a big name and to become competitive again over the next one, two, three years. And if this is a move that you see fitting in that plan, then yeah, go for it. Uh, I trust Rick Hahn with the future of the ball club because he hasn't really misstepped much. He hasn't been Theo in his effectiveness, but nobody is. So I, I really think that you got to trust him. He's not firing from the hip like Kenny Williams. So I think there's a little bit more trust in the front office right now on the south side. No, I'm with you. and it, it, It's nice knowing that I, I, we haven't seen all of these guys start to come up. Pretty much every young guy that he's brought in that's come up has shown flashes of, of why you... identified and executed. I, I totally agree. And I, yeah. I, I, I basically trust his move at, at this point. It, it's tough to speculate on what you want them to do because I, I have so much trust in what he's doing yeah. that I just kind of assume whatever he decides is going to be the right thing i'm probably not going to criticize it one way or another but matt i think it's december and we're talking baseball so i think we're the lucky ones here yeah yeah 
Um, well, let, let's move it on here, Matt. Do you have a grievance for us? I do. Get it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. I was in between two here, Joe, and I the the one that Ooh, I was angry, Matt. No, not too angry. The the first <laughs> one I was thinking about was actually what Derek, you know, how Derek Jeter and the Marlins handled uh, the John Carlos Stanton thing. Um, but you kind of set me up nice for that, and I think I, I I hit my points across there. So I'm going to go with the other one. This one's a little bit of a different topic here, Joe. Oreo, you know the cookie Oreo. They're uh, they they announced they're they're releasing at least five new flavors next year, and we got chocolate hazelnut. Hot and Ooh. spicy cinnamon, pina colada, kettle corn, and cherry cola. I'm Joe, selling Joe, all of Joe, those. my I, maybe chocolate hazelnut. I'll give you a try. It's I don't playable. know, but, but <laughs> this is my grievance, Joe. Oreo's getting too cute. Okay, have you seen? Have you seen the shelves lately? It's I have. Like, I, it's hard for me to find a regular package of double stuff Oreos. I gotta, See, I gotta, you, you know, I can't trust the rummage around through anyway. all the. You you don't go double stuff. So my problem here is I'll go double stuff if I don't have milk. That's that's acceptable. But once you dunk a double stuff, something something bad happens. I'm I, sorry, I like, Joe. My grievance has like, now changed to you <laughs> for like your to, Oreo selection. But let let me finish here. Go and then on, we'll yeah, go yeah, on yeah. to well then we'll, well then we'll talk because I, I do want to get into this talk. Go ahead. Uh, they, they're getting too fancy, Joe. And I I, I won't lie. They, they've made a couple flavors here and there. The, you know the the vanity flavors, whatever you want to call it, that have that have worked out all right. This. <laughs> The Cinnabon flavor was pretty good. I think there was a, a waffles and syrup one that I enjoyed, but for the most part, what do you mean you think? You know, I think I know. I'm, I'm okay. I did enjoy those. Um, I thought that was the title. I don't know if that oh, was okay. the exact title. Okay. But like, why would I buy a hot and spicy cinnamon Oreo, Joe? Can you give me one reason why I would get that off the shelf? Someone's buying. Why would it I buy it? I know someone's going to buy they, it because they, they want to try it. Grouped, they focus grouped every single why, one. I, why would I buy cherry cola Oreos? That sounds yeah, disgusting. Pop the Rocks not- Oreos that they really – it's it's ridiculous. Just I want a normal Oreo. I don't want to have to go through the entire aisle to grab my Oreos. You want to release once of these once or twice a year, that's fine. They're coming out with these way too often. I, they're I they're agree. ruining a good thing. I agree with you, Matt, but I think that – I don't think that uh, they're going to be taking the originals off the shelves anytime soon. I know, so, but they're so they're overshadowing the original. I'm not. That's not what they're overshadowing the original. No. And the worst part about this is I'm going to have to try all these at some point because <laughs> I'm. There lies the problem. They're there, and I'm, I'm going to try them at one point, and then I'm going to waste five ninety nine buying a package of cookies, and I'm only going to eat one of them. Okay, Matt, but this is this begs an important question. What is your top ranked non traditional Oreo? Uh, waffles and syrup was was my favorite. That one was, was fantastic. One? It it tasted like it, it tasted exactly like it sounded. Honestly, as as odd as that might might sound. I've only tried a couple of them, and the only one that I've ever enjoyed, not traditional, is the uh uh-oh Oreo. The uh, or no, not even the uh oh, the vanilla one with the cr- normal cream inside. See that one's not even that. Like I don't even think that's that much of like a. Wh- no, I'm a traditionalist. Oh, I am too. <laughs> the, the, the best Oreo is the traditional Oreo. Don't get me wrong here. Well, um, but that, if you're asking me to pick one of the non-traditional flavors, I would go waffles, with that one. Well, waffles, waffles, and syrup. Thank you for bringing this uh, this terrible atrocity to light here on the Moose and Rose I know, podcast, right? Man. I think it's, it's 
you know, I, I know it's a sports podcast, but, you know, the people like talking about food and, and fashion occasionally, too. Yeah. And this, this was a topic, I think, that needed to be brought to light. I think a lot of people agree with me. They just don't want to say it. You're, you're a man of the people, Matt. And I, I always think, have been. I always will be. Joe. I think Someone's got to do it. I think the work you're doing is admirable. Let's Thank jump you. into let's jump into buy or sell. <laughs> Start stuff here. All right, I'm, Matt, I'm a little uh, tired from that that rant. Seeing as how we're uh, we're kind of doing a little bit of a airport rendition here, uh, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep things. Uh, is aeronautical the right term? Sure. Not, I, I know nautical is boats. Yeah, I think so. I don't know, but uh, all right, buy or sell, Matt. The window seat. You know, that's, that's there's there's large debate in terms of no one wants. So the I guess seat. that's my no question. Wants, am, am I? No one wants the middle seat, but window aisle. Buy or sell the window seat, Matt. So I, it, it, uh, my my answer changes here. If it's if it's a crowded flight, if it's a full flight, I'm going to be an aisle man. Or jam um, because or jam I like I, I, I'm going to go aisle because I like that little extra extra legroom. I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a bigger man, Joe. I like to s- spread out a little bit. The knees sometimes get a little tight if I'm sitting on the window. Got to keep them together. That's I, I like spreading out a little bit. But that said, if it's a, if it's a lesser flight, if I'm on a you know a Southwest flight where I'm you know in the late B boarding group and I can see that you know flight's not going to be full, I might venture over to the window. Because okay. I know that middle's probably going to be left open, mm-hmm. and then can kind of sprawl out a little bit, get a little bit spacious, and then also not have to worry about being bothered by people getting up. But in a pinch, like most most flights are crowded nowadays, full, I will take the aisle. I, I agree with you. I'm an aisle guy. I was window on a couple flights recently, and I, not only the fact that um, I get a little claustrophobic because it's a full flight, even if that middle seat's open. I hate having to wake someone up to go to the bathroom. Like I'll sit there and get a cramp because mm-hmm. I don't have I don't have that in me. I don't want to wake someone to get out. I like having the aisle seat for that. I, I'm I'm a big reach the leg out into the aisle and get yep. yelled at by the stewardess guy. That's my move. You're gonna have to have a talk with me if I'm on the aisle seat. And I also like to think that if God forbid anything was to happen, I could jump into action from an aisle seat. You know, window seat. Window seat, you got no play, you know? If if this thing if this thing goes awry and I gotta make a move either towards an exit or towards towards some action, I like to be able to I like to go play that, you know? Joe's always trying to get in the middle of the action. Yeah, you know, yeah. you gotta you gotta plan these things out because then you can then you can act and not react. Matt, now, right this might out. be a, this might be a little bit of a personal question here, Joe, but you <laughs> mentioned getting up to go to the bathroom on the plane. Uh-huh. You, you do you frequent do you usually hit the bathroom on a plane or do you try and hold off even that's if you're not, on the aisle that's on not all my, accounts? It's not my decision, Matt. That's Fair that's enough. mother Na- that's mother nature's decision. Sometimes sometimes it is. It just depends on willpower. If you're if you're asking for a percentage of times I'm hitting an airplane bathroom, obviously you'll like to avoid it, but I think I'm good for like sixty percent of the time I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to frequent the uh, the job wow. on the plane. Yeah. Oh, I am. I'm yeah. very. It's very rare for me. I stay. I stay very fluid. I drink a lot of water. I'm probably good for a for a terminal coffee before we get on the flight. So mm. it's it's really just the the laws of nature, Matt. Oh, that's fair, Joe. I'm gonna stick with the travel theme here for okay. my buy or sell. I I, I, I saw your snap of uh, Instagram story. Maybe it was at uh, at getting to the airport around four thirty in the morning. Yep. Um, buy or sell taking the first flight out wherever you're going. Uh, that totally depends. Like yesterday, I did not have the choice. I didn't book this flight, so uh, it was uh, it was not my doing. Obviously, I, I like the second flight, but us 
us journos, you know, the, the vacations aren't very long. So when I get home, I like to take that first flight so I can have that full first day. Mm-hmm. You, try and go, you try and go first flight, last flight, maximize that time with loved ones. This has kind of been my approach as of late. But uh, if we got time to play with, no, give me an 11, give me an 11 o'clock, something that I could take my time, not rush. Because uh, yesterday I was up at four in Lincoln Drove the hour to Omaha, Omaha to Denver, Denver to Sacramento. Then we're going Sacramento to Denver, Denver back to Omaha, and I got an hour drive. So it's it's not ideal, but if if you do have that type of travel, we go early. I, I, I'm with. I, I like that first flight out because I it, the the wake up is awful, yeah. but after that, once you kind of get up and get moving, you're pretty much wherever you need to be by about nine or ten in the morning. Uh-huh. Gives you time to get there. You can even take back. a little hour nap, and then you're ready to go Ooh. for your day by noon. Oh, the post-flight nap. See, exactly. I can, I can sleep on a plane. I can tell you that this flight out of Sacramento that I just had, that I'm sitting in Denver now, uh, Sacramento to Denver, I do not recall taking off. I was asleep. Yeah, see, I, I can't do the plane. I, I, I've taken a lot of 6.30 a.m. flights, 7 o'clock in the morning flights. I can't fall asleep on the plane. I was asleep before the wheels got off the ground, and I woke up as we began our descent. It's, it's ideal. You know, got a nice two-and-a-half, three-hour nap there. Uh, I was very worried because I sat down, you know, I got into that window seat, two seats next to me. You're, you're hoping that no one's going to sit Fingers down crossed, yeah. as everyone's walking by you're no, no, yes, no. You're judging everyone that <laughs> of walks, course. you're judging everyone that walks by me. Of course. Of, and of course, a young couple comes and sits down in the two seats next to me. And of course there is a one-year-old child in uh-huh. tow. This was the most well-behaved child. I would rather sit next to this baby than anyone else in that flight. There was not a peep out of the kid. The most cute little thing slept while I like. We were all asleep. There was there was not a somebody peep. sneak a good family family photo of the four. There of you. was no, I don't think so. But there was <laughs> maybe not, you made the Christmas card, Joe. There was not much commotion from row seventeen on this flight. I can I can I can attest to that. Well, that's what that's what you're looking for. If you can sleep on a plane, Joe, all more power to you. I we, oh, yeah. we did our, our Europe flight for when we went over there for Wesleyan to, to play oh, football. Eight hours there and back. I want to say I slept maybe forty five minutes in the sixteen the, total hours. If we're if we're going international, there are PEDs involved. We're getting some Dramamine. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe we we. I don't want to. I don't want to shout out any uh, any prescriptions. Yeah, here, let's, but maybe, let's be careful. Maybe we. Uh, maybe we. Maybe we find ourselves into a little uh, performance enhanced nap, and we uh, we call it a day. That's, it's it's gotta, a family you, podcast, Joe. You got to play that one strategically. You know what? My I was I was a very rambunctious child. No, and, uh, this you? is gonna be a this is gonna be a knock on my parents. DCFS might get a call. We went to Mexico. I think I was probably about twelve years old and didn't do well with planes. Needless to say, and. Uh, Mom, mom gave me a Dramamine for, for my motion sickness, knocked me out. I woke up at the resort and like, it was like an hour from the airport to the resort. They were carrying me through an airport because I was heavily drugged as a uh, That's That's just smart. <laughs> yeah. All, always good times. But uh, let's, let's jump back on uh, some sports here for our next buy or sell match. Um, I, I hate to, to even broach the topic. Did you give this, me this one or am I going into this one blind? This one's blind. This oh. one's blind. So, oh, wow. um, and it's probably not going to be your favorite because of the topic, but it is one oh, of the top, on, top. It's one of the top storylines in the NFL right now. Buy or sell a Packers playoff push if Aaron Rodgers comes back. What, is, what does of, a playoff push mean? They, they, are they, does that mean they're making the playoffs, or does that mean buy, they're going to con, 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 you know, contend for it? Buy or sell the Packers making the playoffs for a wild card spot, and that's I'm, that's contingent on a Rodgers return. I'm going to sell because okay. I think they need to still win out. And maybe this is my heart talking, but 
I just it's going to be tough for him to jump right back. I think it's going to be this week was their target for him to get back. Ron Rivera yeah. said they're planning for Aaron Rodgers. It's it's tough to jump in against that good of a football team right away and just kind of not miss a beat. And I think that's what they basically need to do to beat Carolina. So I, I think it's going to be tough, but I also think it might be contingent on this week. If he can come back and beat Carolina, I think I'd buy oh. that. But if not, it, I, I, it's going to be tough for them to go out and win this week. So I'm going to sell it because I don't think they're going to win out. But it would if, if Aaron Rodgers goes out and wins the next four games, three games, what whatever it is, it, yeah. it would not shock me in the least. What I was thinking while I was watching them almost lose to the Browns, which I was thoroughly enjoying into those last few moments, uh, shout out to Josh Gordon for being my favorite human Why did Deshaun Kaiser throw that ball up? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But not the point here. I thought the best thing for the future of the Green Bay Packers would be if they could have lost to the Cleveland Browns last week. Because then you shelf Rodgers for a whole nother six to seven months. Then you get full recovery time. There's no rush back. He gets to really get his body back to 100% because I don't care what you say. He's not going to be 100% coming off of a collarbone no like chance. that. I take a 70% Aaron Rodgers over most of the guys in the league. Not the point here, but I thought it would have been ideal for them to lose, pack it in for the season because they do not have a playoff contender defense right now either. Um, I, I have some, some Packers fans in the family, and my Uncle Daryl, uh, he jumps on Twitter quite often, and he was ripping into Don Capers. Uh, I, I don't think there's much trust there from, from the Packers fans. I, I, I have a couple in, Packers fans, friends in myself. That defense. They, that's that's a seems to be a widespread theme amongst the Packers faithful. Yeah, I don't so, know why Dom Capers is still there. So I think that last second, last minute win against Cleveland might have been a, a bit of a trap there for the Packers faithful. Yeah, I, did, I think what you, did, what you said there just said it all—a last second win against Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, that about sums it up. That all right, uh, let's go. My buyers, I got to ask you uh, news today, which I surprised that it actually wasn't official already. But Devin Hester officially announced his retirement from the NFL. So Joe, buy or sell, Devin Hester gets into Canton. I'm I'm buying the farm on this one. And I, I'm not confident in it because there is so much, I don't want to call it controversy, but there's, there's so many differing points. There's so many differing opinions on the matter. But if I had a vote, he'd be in. And I'll give you reasons why. He is a generational talent, a generational player, affected the way that the game was played was he a quarterback was he a running back was he a left tackle no but I think that even is more credit to him I remember the way we stood up when it was a punt when it was just a mundane punt in the second quarter that was the most exciting point of the game when Devin Hester was back there are they going to kick it to him I remember every single one of those returns and the way it made Bears fans feel and I can't tell you how it made other people around the league feel but I'm sure they enjoyed it just as much if they weren't the opponent he was electrifying and I think that what he did, the way he changed the game, and his talent deserves to be recognized by the Hall of Fame. I'm not going to knock offensive linemen here because there are so many greats that are in the Hall of Fame and there are that, de- that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. But if we're going strictly off the eye test here, I know that Devin Hester looks a lot more like a Hall of Famer in his effect on the game than some guys that already have a bust in camp. I, I, I'm absolutely with you. I know this is probably partially our Bears bias and all the, the fun we had watching him throughout the years, but you touched on it a lot. He, he was the best in the NFL in, in, at what he did, and it wasn't even really close. It. You can't deny that. And you Dion said, co-signed he, him. He Dion changed, co-signed him. He changed the game. It, it not, not just 
in you know in terms of people tuning into just watching me change the way football was played and team the teams playing the bears at the time he would change the way teams punted he would change the way teams thought about field position they would sacrifice you know 20 yards on a punt and flipping the field in trade for not having to kick Devin hester he helped out the offense in that he usually saved them 20 yards if not pick them up you know 20 yards on a return yeah. Or would just give them the points in a return himself. So he he changed all three phases of the game in just about every game that he played. Yeah, it was. And it was it, so while much. he wasn't technically an offensive or defensive player, he had effects on all three sides of whatever, all three phases of the game. And yeah. I, I can't remember a player that significant that had that significant of an impact on all three phases of of a football game. Uh, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that a lot of head coaches were sitting in on uh, special teams meetings that they had no business of sitting in on during the Devin Hester era because era because he uh, he kept some coaches up at night and I think he deserves to be recognized to the highest extent. So congratulations to Devin Hester on uh, a wildly successful career and for bringing some electric to uh, to the Bears fans and, and to Chicago for a long time. So, Joe, uh, what was your putting you well on the spot deserved. here? Your favorite Hester return. It, I think my favorite Hester return was either uh, I, I was I saw a couple live against Minnesota. I know I saw one. The kick six was amazing against New York. I gotta say my favorite mm-hmm. was uh, against Arizona. The two returns he won the game for them. He yeah. was their offense that night. I think the defense scored a touchdown. Defense had two, and then he had the, the punt Devin return. had Devin had a punt return. Um, it was I think that that one had to have been my favorite. I remember that moment. And I mean Super Bowl aside, but um, yeah. If they'd have won that Super Bowl, then that, then that, that one that I think would, have, would be everyone's no favorite. But it's it's hard to forget what happened after that turn. Uh, there was there was one again. There was a couple against St. Louis where yeah, it was the a Bears, Monday Night Football game. I, the I Bears remember. were. Yeah. It, it was like he made he was a one cut and gone guy. He made mm-hmm. it look like they were in slow motion. It was just so much fun. I, I there were two against. I don't remember. I don't think it was that rookie year. I think it was a little bit later in his career. But two against Denver where I think they were down a touchdown both times he did it, and they were just kind of – it was one of those games kind of like Arizona where the offense couldn't do anything. And for some reason, they kept kicking to Hester, and he burned them for two in the same game. And I think the Bears ended up stealing the game like 23-20 or something like that. But all their touchdowns came from him. If you go back, go go on YouTube and look at those punt returns and those kick returns and pause it when the scoreboard gets pulled up. They're mostly in pivotal moments in football games. Oh, yeah, they, they're rarely any in garbage time. Third quarters, one-score games, they were all so meaningful that that even further bolsters his, I think, his resume to Canton. So he's got my vote. Yeah, well, I'm glad all we right. agree. Here's my bonus buy or sell, which is actually with over quick, under, Joe. Okay. Over under 140 home runs for the trio of Stanton, Judge, and Sanchez next year. You could have said 140,000, and I would have said over. I'm taking okay. it over. All right. Well, there you it's, go. It's going to be a freaking firework show every night, and I can't wait. I'm a Yankees fan. You heard it here first. That's 50, 50, and 40. Jump on, jump on the bandwagon. All right. Well, fine. I, uh, my favorite stat that I saw this is the first time since Maris and Mantle that 250 home run players are going to be returning to the same team the next year so some some rare error and i think that the over safe huh. all right uh-huh. that's all i get is that's, uh-huh. that's all you got joe I, I wasn't gonna say you were right or wrong i was just asking you for a simple over under that's all well i was looking for affirmation that and and i gotta board a flight here well so then why don't you shut, shut us down <laughs> so i'm gonna shut us down here quick shut it down shut it all down shut it down shut it down houston we have shut down i've seen enough shut it down 
a, a quick shutdown here and uh it's just a shout out to an ex-bear a guy who i loved watching play football and was never put in the position he should have been to succeed jay cutler looking like a world beater last night we don't get to see that jay cutler that often and i watched every snap last night and despite him costing me a trip to the fantasy finals in my family league it was so much fun watching him play football that way against a bitter rival against the new england patriots he looked so engaged with the football game and i know <laughs> that shouldn't be something that you're accrediting a nfl quarterback for but that was the best of jay cutler last night and it was a pleasure to watch that's my shutdown thank you to the moose and runes listeners for tuning into this episode 33 of the moose and runes podcast your united airlines denver international uh edition of the moose and runes podcast. travel safely home joe let's let's go, let's get home safe and we'll have a uh, a normal one next week how about that sounds good from the comforts of our own homes good talking with you matt and thank you again moose and runes listeners everybody have a great week let's get after it it's almost playoff time May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the stick was phenomenal.